Hi, friends. Welcome to Wind Down, Build Up, a three-part podcast special. I'm Tabitha. And I'm KJ. We met as graduate students at Harvard Business School, became friends, and now we're full-time entrepreneurs. And yeah, we've raised venture capital, built teams, and gotten national press, but we're in uncharted territory with COVID-19. If it was even possible, we're having to be scrappier than usual. So we're getting together with wine, of course, to chat about current events, business, and how we think about winning during these unprecedented times. So grab a drink and join the conversation. Cheers. Hello, hello. Hey, KJ. Hey, Tabitha. How are you? I'm good. Do you have your wine for a happy hour? Of course. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Must have wine. (laughs) Yes. Obviously, I've brought the wine. Um, Well, I'm excited to jump into this. This is our our first uh, episode of our first podcast together. This is a pretty momentous occasion. Uh, Hence the wine. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should definitely start off by saying what sort of brought this on, why we're here doing this. You know, I think as two business owners, two people running startups in the midst of this global pandemic, we both felt like it was important to just sort of reflect on all of the things we are thinking about, facing, wondering, uh, having anxiety attacks over all of those things um, as two startup owners and two Black female startup owners. Amen. So yeah, let's, let's jump into our Let's jump into this episode. What are, what are we talking about today? Okay, so we're going to kick off by doing what we always do when we catch up is talk about, talking about what's going on in the world before we talk about business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing that people are talking about is insecure, okay? <laughs> yes. Lisa Ray is back with her show. Um, I have been dying for the show to come on and it did not disappoint Completely agree. First thing we have to talk about is our friend Molly. Okay. Lord, Lord, Lord. I did notice some suspect behavior from our homegirl. I, well, I mean, first I'll just say, thank God Insecure is back. Like Mm -hmm. we, this is what the people needed. So (laughs) I'm very, very pleased. Um, And I'm pleased with um, Issa in this episode. I feel like she Mm -hmm. comes back. She's on top of her stuff. She's getting it together. But doesn't it sort of seem like Molly is like doing the same old, same old? I I think it's yes. And I feel like she's just out of touch. Like when she gets mad at her Asian boo for saying that he's dating other people when they haven't had the DTR define the relationship conversation. Um, As a matter of fact, it seemed to be their first kiss because they're betting on whether she'll kiss him or not for the bowling scene. Mm-hmm. I think it's absurd that she thinks that that's inappropriate. Like, yeah, completely what agree. Planet is that, oh, like, and under what, like, what planet is that okay to get mad over, like, in this day and age? Right. I'm I, sorry. I completely agree. And I also feel like, Molly, 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 you would not be okay <laughs> if somebody stepped to you expecting you to be exclusive before you'd had that conversation. Mm-hmm. You would feel like that was controlling. You would feel like that was presumptuous. You know, like we all know Molly girl. We didn't watch you for three seasons. We know, <laughs> we know you would not be okay with that. So how mm-hmm. could you expect that of him? It just, yeah. yeah, I just, but when I say she's up to her old, she's up to her old tricks, like been there, done that. It just feels like 
where's the growth? Where is the growth, Molly? Like you've been trying to be in a relationship for all these seasons, but really being your own biggest downfall for all these seasons and we're seeing it again. And I just don't, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why. Yeah. Well, then I think there's this whole comment she makes to Issa about being messy, Mm -hmm. which we can revisit later because we need to explore the second piece, which is this whole idea of Issa's girlfriend who helps her plan this big block party. What's her name? Condola. Condola, she finds out, is dating her ex-boyfriend, Lawrence. Lawrence that she dated for five years. Mm -hmm. And so I asked myself, if I was in the exact same predicament as Issa, would I be mad or would I have to live with this? And this is a tough one, right? Because I feel like Condola hasn't done anything wrong. She didn't know that Lawrence and Issa had been dating and went behind her back and started hooking up with this guy mm-hmm. and was being shady. She literally had no idea. Secondly, they just became friends, right? right? right. Like they became friends like yesterday. Right. Um, and so I'm thinking Condola hasn't done anything wrong. No. Lawrence hasn't done anything wrong. It's really Issa who's in a tricky position because she's connected with both of them. Right. And she kind of needs Condola because yeah. she's the one with all the connections. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, she just knows her shit. Like, she, it, it seems like not that Issa couldn't have done it without her, but it's getting done a lot smoother and easier with her. Mm-hmm. And so Condola's also going to have to make a decision if she wants to bow out of this relation, working relationship or friendship also. Yeah. And I guess where I land on this is I personally feel like I would never give up what felt like a true sparkling new friendship with another woman because I value my female friendship so much. I would never give that up for the sake of an ex who I have at least told myself I'm over and I've moved on from. Now we all know the story of Issa and Lawrence probably isn't fully over. Um, Mm. And you know, things rarely happen super cleanly, but for the time being, both of them have said they're moving on. And if that's where mm-hmm. you are, why sacrifice what could be a strong friendship um, as a result of that? And and for sure, why sacrifice the bag? You know what I'm saying? Like, if at the very least you need to just keep working together, but you can't, you know, go out for drinks or whatever, that's okay. But both of them, I think, are benefiting from this business relationship. Like, Condola gets to continue using her network and 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 showing up the way that matters for her and her work. Issa gets to build this new brand as an organizer or whatever her official title ends up being. You know, so they both get real benefit out of it. So for at the very least, I wouldn't end that aspect of the relationship but it also feels like there's a real friendship blooming and I just know how much I get out of my female friendships I would not forsake that because of an ex I just I mean I understand Molly's point that maybe it's messy but like life is messy what are, you know what are yeah, you gonna do totally and I wonder when it comes to Issa for her does she still have feelings for Lauren mm-hmm you know, if she has strong emotions that she's bearing by like having sex with other people, that's one thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, if she actually has a sense of she's moved on, there's like 
resid residual feelings there, but like she can move past it, then I think this relationship can actually blossom. But she still has feelings. I think she's going to start to build some animosity yeah. towards Condola because she Condola has what she still wants. Right. So I, I think it depends on we we don't we don't know yet. Yeah. Like we don't have enough character development to know where Issa is in her mindset with Lauren. Right. But that's what makes the show so great to watch. So mm -hmm. whether she does or doesn't, I'm excited to see where it all lands. Yes. Um, but to move on to a slightly more serious topic, I do feel like we should discuss what's going on with um, Joe Biden. Yeah. There's a lot of Joe Biden news out there this week, uh, starting with the fact that Obama has come out and officially endorsed him. And, you know, I think it was classy that Obama waited until the field really was down to one. I think a lot of mm -hmm. people thought he may have done that earlier, given that. Joe was his vice president, but, you know, I think it was mm -hmm. very classy for Obama to say, no, you know, I don't want to bend the will of the people. I want to wait and see how this plays out. But of course, now that he's the nominee, I'm going to come out um, vocally for him. So, you know, he did get that, in, in, that endorsement. And now we are mm -hmm. all uh, waiting with bated breath to see who he's going to announce as his running mate. Who, who do you think? Okay, so I don't know if you saw the debate where he was asked, will you select a woman mm -hmm. as your vice president? And Joe Biden said, yep. yes, I will select a woman as my vice yep. president. So uh, there's a lot of controversy on whether he should have made that commitment on the spot like that. But let's assume that he keeps his word and that's what he's mm -hmm. going to do. The two female candidates that are kind of ch people are chattering about is Stacey Abrams. Yes, my girl. And Kamala Harris. Also my girl. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm caught between a rock and a hard place because I love both of them so much. Oh, man. I just think Stacey to me, obviously, now I have actually met Kamala. I have not met Stacey, but in reading everything, you know, all of the things that they've written and, and seeing their viewpoints, Stacey does give me a bit more of a strong vice presidential vibe. I say mm -hmm. that to say that I just think her feet are so firmly planted on the ground of like what is needed from a progressive standpoint. And I think she's going mm -hmm. to be really tough on Joe when he's trying to be too moderate and really pulling him um, a bit more to the left, which we all know we need. Whereas Kamala, she's a moderate as well. So I don't know if he's, she's going to hold his feet to the fire in the same way. And I do think you want someone who's going to sort of balance you out and push you and pressure you on things. And I just get the sense Stacy might do that a little bit more, but I do love both of them. What, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're in the same camp there. I lean towards Stacey Abram. Um, I, you know, the thing is, there's also a third candidate that people are throwing out there that's not a woman, which is Andrew Como. Yeah. So Andrew Como has really shined in the he last really month has. or two. Really kind of essentially stepping up as our country's leader during these trying mm -hmm. times because New York is the epicenter of, you know, the coronavirus. Now, the thing about Andrew is he's not a woman. And Joe has already pledged to having a woman uh, VP. And so I feel like to backtrack and select uh, Como as his VP would just make him feel disingenuous and dishonest in yeah. his word. 
So that's kind of the trapping he did to himself. He he limited the pool to 50%. Granted, there's tons of amazing women who are qualified and should be and should have already had this label of vice president, if not president already. Um, but Como, I think, is an interesting person to at least be in a candidate mm-hmm. pool uh, who probably can't because of uh, previous commitments. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Cuomo. I, I think he's like doing a fantastic job. Um, I feel like I see him more do if he were going to go for anything really coming in in a key cabinet position um, so that his mm, name sort of stays in lights the way it did for Hillary, like going for that sec- secretary of state role or, or something like that versus yeah. I just think he might see it as sort of like dimming his light a bit to become vice president. Um, and this is very much, he's on a trajectory right now where I feel like the world could be his oyster. So yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I, he's the next yeah, Bloomberg, very right? Impressive. Like Bloomberg stepped up during nine 11 and his name became, you know, like on a, on a global stage, same things happening with Andrew mm-hmm. Como. Um, by the way, you can't talk about Como and not talk about Chris Como, and Andrew Como's exchange on yeah. CNN. Have you seen their banter yes, back and forth? and it's hilarious. It's so cute. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Having a sister myself, I can relate to, like, just, you know, like, sometimes petty, yes. but loving, like, exchange they have yes, to each other. it's you so great. It. I love when, like... Um, Andrew Cuomo's like, thanks for having me on. And Chris is like, mom told me I had to, you know, like stuff like that. It's so great. Like, yeah, I I love seeing their exchanges. Um, And then I guess finally, this is just a fun uh, current event to end on before we jump into our main topic um, is have you heard about these virtual Zoom nightclubs that are charging people actual dollars to get in? Okay, how much are they charging? Does that matter? Well, I think they're, I mean, I think they're charging their cover. So like, you know, 15, 20, 15 to $25. No. Yeah, I think they're charging people real dollars right. out here. And people are paying. Okay. <laughs> I think people are longing for a connection and a sense of community now more than ever. And so, yeah, I mean, I would pay to like kick it with my friends. So I, I I looked it up, you know, once you like mentioned this to me um, and I was thinking the the audience that they're attracting is usually a bit more affluent, a bit more out there and their community is very tight knit. You know, think about like the Burning Man mm-hmm. community or the House mm-hmm. of Yes community, like they're very tight knit and they miss each other and they need that conduit or someone to bring everyone together. So they're willing to pay. Um, I did see one of them took the name, uh, was it? Uh, house party or quarantine mm, club mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quarantine club and i was thinking yo that's d nice's <laughs> d nice if you haven't trademarked that i need you to do that asap so you can get your money okay um but you know i think people are longing for connection and if people are willing to pay for it i'm not hating on the business model i yeah you know so okay I, too, am not hating on the business model. I, in fact, am in support of anyone finding a way to figure out how to make this time feel more normal. And we're going to get more into this. How do you adapt your messaging? How do you adapt your product? How do you adapt your service? Like, you know, we're living in such an unprecedented time. Business owners have to do Mm -hmm. that. So I respect that hustle for sure, for sure. But just speaking as a consumer I can't think of anything I would want to do less than sh- than show up to a Zoom 
with a bunch of strangers who are all like <laughs> dancing and I'm dancing by myself or dancing in my room with my husband uh, and you're, y'all are dancing. We're just watching each other dance. Like I can't think of anything that sounds more <laughs> awkward than that. I just, I don't know. But shout out to the people. If you're out there trying it, hit us up on social media or whatever and just let us know. Maybe post some pictures of yourself doing it. And if it's like actually fun, y'all should let us know. But to me, I can't see it. I can't see myself doing it. I'll put it like that. Well, I, I never saw myself doing virtual happy hours, but here I am. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Times have changed. You're right about that. Um, okay. Well, should we get into our main topic? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. So this week, we are asking ourselves in the midst of Corona, the, the question that I think all business owners are really grappling with is to pivot or not to pivot. And I know you have some really in-depth experience on this with your business, Party Dash. We've been thinking a lot about adapting at Minted Cosmetics, which is the business I run. So yeah, I mean, let's just dive in. What are some of the things you're thinking about as a business owner? What are some of the ways you've chosen to adapt? Yeah. So for me, I, I wanted to give it a framework to on how to think about whether to mm -hmm. pivot or not pivot. And the first question I asked myself is, if nothing was to change, so social distancing was in place for the next six to 12 mm -hmm. months, right? Worst case scenario, would my business mm -hmm. survive? Uh, for me, the answer is yes. But then the secondary question is, would it be thriving? And the answer was no, because Party Dash is essentially built on the idea of helping people build community in person, right? We sell modern party supplies to help people celebrate key milestones in their lives. Think, you know, your kid's mm -hmm. first birthday, things of that sort. And so if people aren't getting together, our business doesn't thrive. And so then we started asking ourselves, like, we want to win, right? Ultimately, we want to be a thriving business. So we we had to be scrappy and had to think about ways to generate either new uh, revenue streams or to convince people to continue buying our products. And so our pivot looked like having short-term changes and long-term changes. Our short-term change had a lot to do around messaging. Prior to COVID-19, we were thinking a lot about talking about our eco-friendly products, thinking about how convenient it is because everything you need for your party is in a box, et cetera. Now we're focused on, hey, you're having a virtual party for your kid? Get everything shipped to your door. Mm -hmm. You don't have to leave your house. And so the messaging has completely changed um, and, hope, and gratefully it's yeah. uh, landing well. Because um, that was a fear of ours is like, does it feel like we're pushing products down people's throat during this sensitive time? No. And the answer is no, not if you're providing yes. a solution I, to a problem. I they actually say, appreciate it. You know, looking at your marketing, looking at your messaging, looking at the press you've picked up, it is so smart how you're messaging this. I think you've really laid out a, a beautiful blueprint for, for people, other people who are wondering how do I adapt? Because what you've said is, look, people still want to celebrate. It's not as if people aren't having birthdays and kids, most of all, still want to celebrate. They mm -hmm. don't understand all of this. All they know is I'm five mm -hmm. and I was promised a birthday party. When I turned five, I was promised mm -hmm. dinosaurs. I was promised, promised rocket ships or whatever mm -hmm. the thing is. And you're coming in and saying, all right, mm -hmm. here's how you can still give that to your kid. Obviously things are different. Obviously yeah. things are crazy. Obviously there's a lot in flux and a lot we don't know, but here's what 
my brand, my company can do for you, I can still give you the dinosaurs. I can still give you the rocket ships. Mm-hmm. I can still give you the memory, you know? And so I, I think exactly you've just right. done such a beautiful job of that. Um, and I think that framework that you laid out is the exact right one. You know, first is, will I survive? Because obviously survival is key. But second, will I thrive? I think that's such a great framework. And I, and I think my company has been really focused on the second one, will I thrive? Because what we know is people are still buying beauty right now. People are still, you know, looking for that nice um, little pick-me-up, you know, particularly there's just so much that makes you feel abnormal right now. It's nice to have like a morning routine, a beauty routine, or nice to put on a, a, a nice lip color, you know, things that just sort of make you feel like you. Um, so we know people are still buying beauty, mm-hmm. but we also know people don't want same old, same old. It is weird if you are talking to me now the same way you were talking to me two months ago, knowing that my world has completely shifted in that time frame. So what we've had to ask ourselves is how do we update that messaging so that we are relevant? Mm-hmm. You know, so we've done things like like last night, my co-founder and I, we did an IG live. It was just the two of us basically hanging out as homegirls, putting on our makeup together, but then taking questions from we had uh, over 800 people show up, right? Like taking questions. Yeah, I was one of those people. It was great. It was great. Yes, so so much engagement. engagement. Again, people are wanting to connect with brands. They have the time to actually connect with brands in a way they haven't been able to. People want to connect authentically, and and so we we tried to answer Mm -hmm. literally as many questions as we could. We tried to be as real as we could be. You know, like we were real about the fact that our supply chain is disrupted. These products are going to sell out, and they'll be sold out for a long time. And I'm sorry, I hate that as a business owner, but like that's the global pandemic we're all living through. But doing things like that, we, we did a blog post about Amanda and I and our whole team working from home and what that looks like. You know, I think just we've had to really think about adapting our messaging um, because, again, that's what people want to see. They don't want same old, same old when none of us are living our same lives. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And you know, the point that everyone's working from home, like if I'm on a Zoom call, which most of us who are working from home are doing some type of video conferencing, we may have sweats on, but I, I'm still showing my face on a daily basis. And I want to still present myself as a professional and mm-hmm. you know, put together and yep. feel good about myself. So I'm definitely still pulling out like yes. my minted foundation and my new lipstick on a daily basis. Cause you know, I want to come across as, you know, like I still got it together. The world may be crashing around us, Mm -hmm. but I still have it together. And I think that's the confidence and the image that we want to, you know, share with the people that we're talking to on a regular basis. Uh, Now, you mentioned this idea of, or you mentioned this thing that you guys are sold out on some of your products. Can you tell us a little bit more about the response from your customers? Are they understanding because they understand we're in a pandemic? (laughs) Are they mad because Mm -hmm. they feel like they just Mm -hmm. want their mentioned? What's the response like? I think the response has been not too dissimilar from pre-COVID response, which is when pe- when people want a thing, they <laughs> want that thing. And, and I get that. That is human nature. You know, there's going to just be real disappointment when you can't get the thing you want when you want it. That said, I do think people understand, and, and because we are trying to be really forthright about this messaging, that part of this is just the situation we are all in. Supply chains, we have, we have factories in Italy that shut down for almost the entire month of March. And we make some wow. of our you know, most beautiful pressed powder formulas in Italy. So, so what are you gonna do? You know, I can't 
fly to Italy and force them to open. Mm-hmm. So I do think people get it, but it doesn't change the fact, you know, that people are disappointed. But actually something you said that I that I'm, I want to think about how we can really relate to anyone who may be listening, um, which is this idea, you know, for, for, for beauty, you still want to show up and you still want to look good. For um, celebrations, you still want to celebrate the moments that matter. So I think we have both mm-hmm. locked into what are the parts of our business that are still relevant in this time? How can other people running businesses or, or even thinking about running businesses, how can they think through, okay, if I have to distill my business to the thing that's really still going to matter in this time, how do I do that? Do you have any thoughts on like, you know, a good framework for thinking through um, how do I make sure that I'm still giving something that's relevant in this time? Yeah. So I always go back to, have you ever heard the book, um, start with your Mm-mm. why? Start with the why. So it is literally one of my favorite mm-hmm. books of all time. Uh, start with why by Simon Sinek. Uh, and essentially in this book, he, he talks a lot about like, you need to know your purpose. You need to understand and know why you exist above all else. And if you know your North star and why you exist, no matter what's thrown at you, you come back to that. And essentially like your brand will continue to strive or thrive or, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. you can adapt. And so, you, you know, so I think for me, the reason I exist is to help people celebrate. So just because we're in a pandemic, I, my purpose hasn't changed to help people celebrate. It's just how right. they celebrate looks different. For you, you know, you're about empowering women of color to see themselves in a world where they normally don't get to see themselves as a priority. And that purpose and why hasn't changed. So, like, I would encourage our, our listeners, if you haven't distilled your why, you know, if you haven't distilled your why, then that's probably why mm-hmm, you're feeling mm-hmm. a little bit lost right now. Um, but if, if people feel like you're being true to your brand's authentic identity and your purpose for being on this planet, then people will know that you're not just trying to get a dollar out of them, but you're trying to solve a problem um, that they had before the pandemic and probably right now during the pandemic. And you're doing your best to solve that yeah. problem. And that's way. so smart. I love that. I wrote down and underlined that book. I am going to get it because I love that. That's so smart. And, you know, I, I, I just want to share some tactics because I know you've you've actually truly pivoted in a lot of ways. Um, and I think having a real tactical discussion about some of the things that you've done um, could be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to think about some of the tactics that we've taken that, that might be helpful to our listeners. I will say one is throw out the things that you were super tied to and super excited about and you just had your arms wrapped around because you were like, oh, I'm like, I'll give you an example. We were going to do the best, the best launch party. This was supposed to be March 20th. <laughs> we had booked the space. We had booked the caterers. We had influencers coming. They were going to have their own private breakfast. Then we were going to have all the consumers come. We had the plans, the layout, the, you know, and, and we had already spent money on it. And, um, I remember, mm-hmm. I think it was maybe March 10th or 11th when, when, th- when it went, the writing was really starting to be on the wall. And I went to my marketing lead and I was just like, look, 
what are, what are the chances we're really going to be able to do this thing and people are really going to feel comfortable showing up now, again, this was before all this, you know, all the governors and everyone had shut everything down, but the writing was sort of on the wall. And instead of being reactive, instead of feeling like, Oh, we've got to pull it all because people are forcing us. We made the decision right then and there. All right, let's nix it because we don't ever want to do something where people might feel uncomfortable or they're wondering, can I still try mm-hmm. this product? Should I? Like, I, you know, you know, people are scared or whatever. Um, and we yeah. nixed it. And, and so yeah. I think one tactic that we've really had to embrace during this time is like, throw out the baby, right? Like, it's your baby. You're so excited about it. You love mm-hmm. it so much. Who cares? Throw it out because this is a new time and you can't be so emotionally attached or so emotionally invested in any one thing. You've really got to use sort of your time. And again, your why, like you said, as your guiding light. So that's one, one tactic that, that I've seen work for us. What about you? So I would add two things to that. Um, One is I have a really deep seated belief that people are going to remember how you treated them and how you stepped up Mm -hmm. during some of their darkest days. And for a lot of people, this is one Mm -hmm. of the darkest days of their lives, right? We see unemployment skyrocketing, you know, 15 million people have essentially filed for unemployment, historic numbers. And so for us, we decided we wanted to do something to help those who are in need right now, because I would, I would argue that the people who've been laid off, who are feeling really dark right now, uh, no job in sight, they need to celebrate and find Mm -hmm. joy now more than ever. And so we created a campaign, we call it the Spread Joy campaign, where one family who uh, currently can um, and is generous and able can buy party boxes Mm. for a family in need. So that parent who can't afford to, you know, buy decorations, you know, kids first birthday, maybe their fifth birthday or whatever case I be, you gave a great example of like, I, you know, like I was really, I had my heart set on dinosaurs, you know, that family can donate it to that other family uh, so they can actually celebrate. Um, that has actually gotten a lot of press. We came from a very authentic mm-hmm. and genuine place of wanting to help people. And the community totally. has really latched on to this idea. We're getting notes from, you know, there was one mom who she said last year she was homeless. This year she's gotten laid off. And she was like, I just feel like I can't catch a break. And it's like, you know, my son's 10th birthday. Like, God, what I would do to just like at least make him happy. And so, you know, a story like that gives me chills because mm-hmm, we were able mm-hmm. to give her that party box, you know, and essentially bring some semblance of joy and normalcy mm-hmm. during this crazy time. Um, and we're getting an outpouring of stories like that. So it's like I'm thinking to myself and and to those who are listening, what can you do to kind of give back in this time, if able, because your customers That's will so remember true. That's that. so smart. And I will shout out our team as well, just for we're announcing next week, we are matching uh, we're giving 100% of proceeds from one of our products to One Million Masks, which is this amazing organization in New York that is literally every single dime that they collect, they are using to purchase and distribute um, protective gear to hospital workers, medical workers, like literally 100% of what they raise. None of it is even going to operations because they have people who are donating to support their operations. So every dime you give goes to purchase protective gear. Um, and that came that came up from my team. That came from someone on the team saying, hey, I see this organization here, One Million Masks. I think we should partner with them. 
And within a week, we had the discussion. We figured out what the product would be. We figured out we want to do 100% of proceeds. And it's going live next Tuesday. So I, I think to your point, Amazing. Like figuring out, you're so right. People will remember how you behaved in this period and how you made them feel in this period. Um, so I think giving back in whatever mm-hmm. way you can is really important. Um, and, and, and even if it feels small to yeah. you, people re- will remember this is a thing that you did. You didn't just sort of like sit on your, sit on your hands, total your thumbs. You got in there when it mattered. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and similar to you guys, we're actually giving 100% of our profits from the spread joy boxes to uh, coronavirus relief efforts. And so again, it's like, trying to go above and beyond to help during these trying times um, mm-hmm. and give people dignity back, you know, um, it's really important to us. The other thing I want to mention is, yeah, we're doing these relief efforts, but we're also thinking about strategically uh, what should mm. we change along our product roadmap? And so we have some technical um, innovations that we planned on launching uh, Q3, Q4 of this year. And because everyone's in their home uh, and, you know, like party supplies, the, the business as a whole has decreased by 55%. We're looking for additional revenue streams. So, so some of those innovations we've brought up wow. by two full quarters. And so we're working with our CTO and our marketing team to aggressively move up the timeline to bring something to market months in advance. Um, because again, we believe that it's solving a real problem that's happening right now. Um, and so when we launch it, I don't think people are gonna find it to be distasteful. Rather, I think they're gonna be applauding and just wishing it was to market sooner. So again, it's like taking a look on like, what, you know, not tying yourself to your baby, and maybe looking at things that mm-hmm. include technology and creating virtual services and products to meet customer yeah. needs and solve solutions. Uh, I think yeah. that's how you actually, I, yeah, I, I love that. And we are from a strategy standpoint, we really have had to look at our product development roadmap as well, but we're sort of doing the opposite of you, which is looking at slowing down mm-hmm. our product development schedule. You know, it is so easy when you are, a new brand to feel like, okay, we have to do, we have to keep up, right? It's very keeping up with the Kardashians. Like every brand out here, all of these established <laughs> brands, they're launching new products, not just every season. There are brands out here launching new products every month. And so while we never had the capital to mm-hmm. launch every month, we did get into the cycle of launching every season, every quarter. And that is so expensive. I can't, I, mm-hmm. Tabitha, I cannot tell you how expensive that is. And now looking at Mm -hmm. the state of the world, cash is king. And that's true for every business everywhere. Cash is king. And so we have Mm -hmm. really thought through, okay, these were the launches we had planned. We had a launch planned for June, August, and September, and then also December. We have pulled that back. We've pulled that all the way back because what we believe is we can connect with our consumer in an authentic way. I think last night's IG Live is a great example. I think some of the content we've put out is a great example. We can connect with our consumer without always launching a new thing. And, you know, I I, I have mm-hmm. to believe that because that is the strategy we have decided we are going ahead with for 2020. Um, but I think it's true, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I saw someone comment the other day, I think it was on Twitter that, you know, when you think about it, the pace that we lived at pre-COVID probably wasn't actually Mm -hmm. fully sustainable. Like always having new products in your face, always being so focused on the new thing 
that might not be our reality when we get mm-hmm. out of this. We might all appreciate taking a step back and, and sort of like being a bit slower. I, I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but that's what mm-hmm. we are trying to focus on now at Minted isn't, okay, we had launches planned every, every, every other month for the next several months. Instead, how are we meeting our consumer? How are we educating her? Maybe she wants more online tutorials. Maybe she wants more online articles about how to do the best blush for your skin tone. Maybe she's looking for more Q&As with the founders or not even the founders. Maybe she wants a Q&A with our marketing lead who has worked with so many luxury brands, who's done so many great things. Maybe she wants a Q&A with our, um, you know, our more junior employees who landed their dream job. Maybe they want to know, like, how did you get to work at Minted? You Mm -hmm. know, like, maybe that's the content that in this time matters more to people than introducing a new blush, right? So I think to your point around strategy, it's, it sometimes it means moving a product up. Sometimes it means moving an innovation up. Sometimes it means looking at what you plan to do and thinking to yourself, did I really need all this? Or did I convince myself I needed all of this? So it just, I think, means really being introspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that, right? Because we both have product businesses and they're taking very different uh, directions on solving uh, for our clients in today's climate. Right. And it goes to tell you that there's not one right answer. You really need to take a step back and look at your business. Also look at your bank account, see how much cash you have. Right. What talent do you already have in place? We already had a full time CTO who come in and and build a lot of the technology that we were working on uh, and and, and do what's right for your business. But there is no one right answer. I agree. Um, Well, I I don't know if there's more on the topic you want to say. I know we're coming up on time here and I've loved this this conversation. I feel like I've learned so much. I so good. Like if nothing else, (laughs) I have learned a lot here, Tabitha. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Plus one. Amazing. Okay. Well with that episode one, we'll see you guys on the next episode. (laughs) See you in the next episode. Thank you for joining us during our happy hour and the wind down build up podcast special. We really hope you've learned a thing or two. Want to follow us on IG? Well, you can find me at Tabitha underscore Solomon. Keep in mind, Solomon is spelled with a S-A. And you can find me KJ at KJ Miller. Until next time, stay strong, sis. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>